think you're right in general that the, the Cardinals have to win with their big guys. And I guess if I wanted to be as simple as possible, Derek, I'm going to quote Ken Hitchcock. Your best players have to be your best players. You need Goldie and Arenado to be MVP caliber players in the playoffs if you're going to make the run. And if they are, you got a shot because those are the guys you need to beat good pitching, right? You need your best hitters to beat good pitching. And if those guys aren't, then I don't think you're going to be around very long. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the best podcast in baseball, brought to you by Clauses by Design of St. Louis. I'm St. Louis Post-Dispatch baseball writer Derek Gould, joined this week and just in time by KMOX broadcaster, host of the show. It's Kevin Wheeler. Kevin, great timing because we were going to talk a few weeks ago about some of the rule changes and everything, and we'll get to that later in the winter. But as we're talking, we're a few hours removed from the Cardinals knowing who they're going to play in the playoffs. It's the Philadelphia Phillies. How about that? So for the Phillies' first time back in the postseason in 11 years, it's the same team that knocked them out last time. (laughs) Yeah, and what a way they did. That brings me to my first question, Kevin. Where were you when the rally squirrel scampered across Skip Schumacher's feet? I I believe I was in the KMOX studio underneath – uh, the green seats at Bush Stadium. I believe that's where I was. And then your initial thoughts was he's coming for me. Please, I was like, oh, I'm like, I don't remember the movie, but the door, the dog always goes squirrel. That was me. I was like, oh, look at that little guy. He's he's fast. That's up. Uh, yeah, up. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you didn't see up. No. Oh, it's a good movie. Yeah, that's what my wife and daughter said, but it's, uh, it's not me. It's kind of heart crushing at the beginning, but then it elevates yeah. like, you know, up. It's got a buoyancy. <laughs> I can see where they're going with that. Sure. Yeah. So that that division series, 2011 Cardinals, Philadelphia is one of the remarkable ones, of course, for how it ended um, and not just how it ended with Roy Halladay versus Chris Carpenter, two right. friends, a one nothing game. Rafael Fricall triples, Skip Schumacher doubles him in. That's the run. And Chris Carpenter then holds it there for nine innings. Um, But for how it began, too, and, of course, the initial ending, how it began was Tony La Russa telling us, projecting that he, as a baseball fan, wanted Holiday versus Carpenter. Like, that's what he wanted to set up for Game 5. And in hindsight, uh, maybe that was the first indicator that he was going to retire for the first time after that series was him saying, look, as a baseball fan, I just want to see that two Mm -hmm. friends, everything on the line, Philadelphia Cardinals, the scrappy plucky Cardinals that had that big rush facing each other um, right there at the end. And then of course the very end, as you'll recall, is the Cardinals celebrating and Ryan Howard writhing on the, on the ground. His Achilles had come apart and really at that point. So had the Phillies dynasty. Or their attempt to have a dynasty. Yeah, and I mean they, they were so moment. good at that time, so good. And I mean I, that was Derek. I mean everything's impressive about you know that 2011 run for the Cardinals, but to me that series and in particular that game that was the most difficult part. Even though the World Series had you know the moments where it looked like it was over and the Rangers were going to win, I felt like getting past Philly was going to be the hardest part coming into it. And I think it was ended, ended up being the way it was. Yeah, the Phillies can't seem to escape the Cardinals here recently, huh? I mean, they 
I mean, I guess th- in those two spots, because remember, they played their way into facing the Cardinals. Right. Um, at the end of the season. And then, of course, this season, they've played their way into facing the Cardinals again. How does this year's team, this year's Phillies, um, you can draw some comparisons pitching-wise, right? I mean, they got two yep. Yep. fantastic pitchers leading off this series. They'll go Wheeler and Nola, and that's quite a task for the Cardinals. Those guys are tough, man. Uh, and, you know, that that's – listen, when I'm looking at the playoff matchups in advance, the potential matchups – you can find a little edge here, a little edge there. But the fact of the matter is that most of these teams have a, have a couple of guys like that that you have to worry about, right? I mean, if you had gotten San Diego, you were going to get a couple of those guys at the front end of the rotation as well. I think these two are a little bit better, but they're not so good that you can't get to them. You know, we, there's no DeGrom in that mix. Even though those two are good, there's no DeGrom. I don't think either of those guys is Scherzer when Scherzer is at peak uh, his peak Scherzerness, <laughs> if, if that makes any sense. I think you can get these guys, but I mean that that is the challenge because you could make a really strong argument that nobody that the Cardinals will start is as good as either of those two. Well, Wheeler, no no relation. No, no relation. Is two and zero against the Cardinals, but that's not just all. I mean, he's got fourteen yep. scoreless innings against them this season. He's allowed nine hits all of them singles. Mm-hmm. Um, this is that he has been DeGrom against them. He's got 10 strikeouts, two walks. I mean, he just has, he's pitched like DeGrom against them. In fact, he's one of the real examples about how the Cardinals struggled against elite right-handed pitching this year. And I want to add the caveat that that's what makes the right-handers elite. Yeah. But, but they did have problems at that time when they were facing the Phillies and you know, at times throughout the season against right-handed pitching because, you know, newsflash, the middle of their order now is really right-handed. Yep, yep. I mean, it, it, it it's not going to change for the postseason either, right? I mean, you're going to be counting on Goldie and Arenado and obviously Albert, who's been one of the two or three hottest hitters in the, in the entire sport since the All-Star break. Yeah, I mean, 48 RBIs, how about that? 18 home runs. Crazy. I mean, just absolutely crazy. But then you do, you know, ask the question, you do wonder – not just him, but what does that look like? You know, if Tyler O'Neill's in the lineup and you're stringing all these right-handers together and then your left-handed presence is basically the switch hitter in Tommy Edmond, uh, maybe a Lars Newt bar thrown in there. Uh, I don't I don't know. You, you may know better than me. I, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see who makes this roster. And maybe maybe the composition of the roster is, is dependent upon that, where you want a guy uh, like Nolan Gorman who's got a left-handed swing with some pop to face those guys in a series as opposed to going with a right-handed hitter. But, you know, with that, with Donovan and Edmund and Newt Bar looking like the primary guys that'll be lefties in the lineup, those aren't exactly killers, right? I mean, they're good, but those aren't the bombers in the middle of the order. No. Uh, I mean, you're going to have Donovan leading off, Newt Bar playing somewhere in the outfield, batting second, then the then the trio. Right. And then it does get really interesting. Um, you likely have Tommy Edmond on the back end there at number nine and playing shortstop. Though of all the people, um, you know, DeYoung has had success against these pitchers. Um, but you have to kind of go, is that the current DeYoung or is that past DeYoung? And you have to think in those terms. Right. But, you know, I think it's, I think it's a real interesting thing because you also have to consider, are the Cardinals different than when the Phillies played them? And that, of course, the answer to that is, what do you think Albert Pujols will bring? Right, right. Well, I mean, I, I think that, that since these two have played, there are definitely differences. I mean, 
you know, and by the way, I didn't, I left one of the lefty bats out. I mean, one of them, Corey Dickerson's actually been really good in the second half too. So some Except of what recently was, he's been in a really yeah. long funk, but he does have the grand slam and then the pinch hit double. So maybe he's a streaky guy and they're going to ride the current streak. You're going to have to figure that. I mean, you're going to have to figure it. It was just somebody that is more of a threat than, you know, than say just not being mentioned. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> he should be in there because he's probably going to be hitting what, like sixth in the order or something along those lines. Yeah. So, and you're right about Gorman. I asked uh, Oliver Marmol if the power component from the left side is what makes him appealing. Cause if he connects, which he's got a lot of swing and miss and they're concerned about that. Right. Next, then it goes a long way. Um, Burleson is the one that is challenging for that. Right. That spot as well. And, you know, you also have to decide, you know, where you need your most flexibility. Um, you know, if, are, are you, are we okay with, are we, are we going to be deep enough if the only infield, real infielder, like true infielder on the bench is Paul DeYoung? That doesn't leave you with a lot of flexibility, you know, I mean, and or to play matchups or whatever. I mean, essentially then you've got Edmund and, and Donovan in, in again, they're probably going to be the ones that play every day. I mean, Donovan can handle righties and lefties. It's not really that big of a deal, but you don't have another option. I mean, you know, yep. As we know, can play first and third. But those are taken. <laughs> it's not like there's going to be a contribution there during a playoff run unless somebody gets hurt. Right. And you have plenty of outfielders. Although maybe you just do it all, Derek, because you don't need 13 pitchers for a three-game series. No, you don't. Although, that brings us to an interesting question. Is that actually how the Cardinals level the playing field when it comes to pitching? Is by taking an extra pitcher and just going matchup and, you know, bullpenning crazy with it. Well, I mean, you, you technically have that anyway, right? I mean, because you're only going to have a three-man rotation. However you choose the three, you're only going to have three-man. So if, if you've got a, a nine-man bullpen, you're still short what a normal pitching staff is in 2022. So sure. you're, not, you're not at 13, but you still have nine relievers. I think that's more than enough. Do you? Yeah, I mean, you don't take some kind of – cushion guy just to just to absorb innings so it doesn't mess up the next day i i wouldn't personally i mean i i would want the flexibility on the offensive side uh to play matchups as often as possible and i wonder that the, this is what's curious to me or interesting to me anyway derek is to see kind of how are how much how aggressive are they going to be playing matchups mm -hmm. when it comes to the postseason because there are a lot of certainties right most of the guys we listed are certainties we know that Goldie Arenado, Albert are going to be in there. Yachty's going to be in there. Tommy Edmonds going to be in there somewhere. Probably Donovan too. But do you, do you? How much do you want to be able to go back and forth with? Yeah, with those guys though. How much do you want to have the ability to go to a right-handed bat in a key spot in the fifth inning, but then still have another lefty for later if you're going up against Robertson or you're going up uh, against uh, you know I don't know. Uh, I mean, they, they don't really have any one guy you're worried about. Sir Anthony Dominguez, as an example. Sir Anthony, yeah. Yeah. Who's 0-2 against the Cardinals this season. Just to keep that in mind, not because of his performance. Right. But because two of the wins the Cardinals did get against the Phillies of the three came against the bullpen. Right, right. And and I think that that, to me, is what what's interesting about the what the upcoming setup. And not just the setup, but also how they plan on using it. I think we can figure a lot of it. Like I said, some regulars, we kind of know what – Deluzio's role would be if he's there uh, to pinch run and play defense when you're ahead late in games. But I'm really curious to see how much they want to end up playing matchups, even in the middle of the game. And I know that's not always the way that the Cardinals do it. That's more of 
like what the Giants were last year or maybe what the Rays would do. But I, I wonder if, if they become more aggressive in that regard. I think they will when it comes to pitching. If the conversations over the past week here in Pittsburgh, and if you hear some background noise, that's because the, the, the Clemente Bridge, like the Pirates themselves, are under construction. <laughs> so that's uh, it's outside my window here in Pittsburgh <laughs> as we're talking. But the, uh, the conversations have been a lot about matchups from the pitching side and how the Cardinals could carve up games um, because of the nature of their rotation. It's, I mean, Michaelis and Quintana, um, two of the better pitchers, Michaelis over the hall of the season, right. Quintana here in September. Um, and really, you could extend that out since the trade um, has been so consistent. They're targeted for availability in game one and could start games one and game two. Right. Um, how they do that was going to be dependent on their matchup. Now they know their matchup um, would not be a shock at all if the Cardinals split the lefties and go Quintana, Michaelis, Montgomery when they set up this three-man three man rotation. That way it goes left, right, left, and you're not giving a left, left look right, right off the hop or you're not going right and then left, left. We'll see how they decide that. But however they do it, they 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 are thinking about like, okay, if you start a lefty and he goes one time through and then those right-handers start coming back up, you know, you got Baum, you got Castellanos in that right. lineup, then you can pivot real fast and say, all right, you set your starting lineup to face my starter. Well, here we are in the fourth inning. What are you going to do? Because I got Jack Flaherty coming or I right. got Adam Wainwright coming. Um, you know, so I got a right-hander coming in after Jordan Montgomery, after Quintana, and I'm going to flip the, rock, the that matchup on you. And then if they go to, you know, if they start switching guys out, then you can come back with, and this is why Yenesis Cabrera has become so appealing to them with his, you know, with his performance there in AAA is, you know, does he join the group to be that lefty that lurks? Um, you know, along with Zach Thompson, who pitched very well when, you know, forced into the game here in Pittsburgh, the second, you know, the penultimate game of the regular season. Right. So you can see how, I mean, they just want to go, okay, shorten game, shorten games. And if that's three, three, then one, 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 and it takes them six pitchers to do that, they're cool with it. Yeah. And, and that's why, you know, I, I, you know, in trying to digest how they're going to choose their starters and, what you know how, again? How aggressively you want to play that? The Phillies lineup actually, their typical construction, kind of plays into being able to do what we're talking about, mm-hmm. right? Because Schwarber and Harper are going to be two of the top three. Uh, that's where you're going to get two of the you know the, their two big lefties. And typically, you'll see like Marsh and Stott. Uh, those guys are typically at the bottom of the lineup. You know, they're in the seven somewhere seven eight nine range. So you actually have a stretch there where you can use a lefty, maybe get six outs, seven outs go that route, come back in the middle with a right-hander to get Real Muto and, Bo- and Alec Bohm and, and Nick Castellanos. I, I think that there's th- that's what is fascinating to me because I know eventually I'm sure we'll get to the, the Wainwright part of this and how they want to handle Flaherty and Montgomery because they really do have four guys that are worthy of being in that spot, not counting Wayno, who's worthy just based on his career and based on you know what he can be when he's executing pitches the way that he typically expects to. So let's walk through that then. Four guys you're saying who are candidates for a start. You would think, right? I mean, 
I'm not saying that you're ruling out Adam Wainwright, but of the of the five starters, mm-hmm. it's been a long time since he's looked like himself. Correct. Where the other guys you've seen their normal selves, they're they're you know performing well, really somewhat regularly here down the stretch. So who would be your group? As far as the as the three, yeah, who would who set it up, man? Let's go. Yep. Manager Kevin Wheeler, he's in charge of pulling the levers and pushing the buttons for the Cardinals pitching staff going up against the Phillies in a best of three series at Bush Stadium. Yeah, I, I think uh, the, you you named him. I mean, I'm, I'm going Michaelis or Quintana at the beginning. I might I might think of Quintana for Game One mm-hmm. because because of Schwarber and Harper. Yeah. How many times can I get the lefty against those two guys? And those are guys that can hit lefties. I mean, let's not, you know, I'm not trying to suggest that that's an automatic victory if you do, if you set it up that way, but it, it increases your odds. And, you know, maybe you can get three innings, four innings out of Quintana and then have Jack Flaherty ready to start an inning. And if you need to be bailed out of an inning, you could certainly go to any number of guys to do that. Cool. And maybe you have your righty coming in there to face the the next part of the middle, right? The 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 uh, Real Muto, Bohm, and, and Castellanos mix. And I don't know that I'm that worried about matching up lefty, lefty, lefty on Brandon Marsh, for example, right. uh, or, or Bryson Stott. I mean, if you can, you, I'm sure late in the game you'll do it, but I wouldn't be worried about it in the fourth or fifth inning. They're not that dangerous where you're going to play it that way. So I, I almost like the idea of what we've seen in the minor leagues, Derek, with the, the idea of a tandem start, where you go out there, you go as hard as you can, I, ideally – you know, if, if you're a lefty in this case, ideally you go maybe 12 batters through the order. Hopefully you can get three or four innings out of that. And then we flip it to the next guy. And and obviously, you know, the next guy could be Flaherty, could be um, Michaelis, although I think I'd probably want to reserve Michaelis to begin a game. But I really would be interested in seeing this more like what we see, say, Tampa do, uh, where they're not going to be overly concerned about getting depth from starters. Just start aggressively making moves Heck, even in the third inning. How do you think that bunches a pitching staff up, though, given the number of games they're going to play? Because, you know, the playoff schedule has changed, and you yeah. cannot ignore that. You're going to, if this goes three games, you're going to play three games in three days, no travel. If this goes, you know, if they advance then to the division series, you got the potential of five games in six days with mm-hmm. that lack of a travel day. So all of a sudden now you're playing nine games in, what, 11 days. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have to consider a regular season style of awareness for pitcher availability? I wouldn't because if you do that and you go home, then it doesn't matter. Mm. Right? I mean, if, if you don't play aggressively and you end up, you know, treating it more traditionally, and that guy that you have out there struggles in the fifth inning, and you end up losing the game there. Well, that, that could be it. That could be the season right then and there. And I think what because when, the way I'm looking at it, Derek, is if these if you're going with starters where you're going to make moves relatively quickly, you know, maybe even the third, fourth, fifth inning. Well, then they should be ready on less rest, right? They're yeah. not going to go out there if I'm if I'm doing it that way. They're not throwing 100 pitches. They're probably throwing 70, 65, 70. So maybe. You're not that worried about it because you're not going to be asking them to carry a full workload and make full major league starts. I don't know that that's the that that'll absolutely work, but given the difficulty in deciding this and given how important matchups are, you know, I mean, we, we talked about 2011 a few minutes ago 
that that was the first postseason where a team used more had more bullpen innings than starting pitcher innings. Right. And I think, NLCS. And I think that's the way to play this team. Yeah. Yeah. And the NLCS against the Brewers, uh, Dave Duncan and Tony La Russa, uh, using Octavio Dotel and other guys who were part of the trade in the middle of the season. Um, they kind of started this bullpenning thing. Yeah. The relievers pitched more innings in that series than the starters. Uh, one note of caution about the two lefties starting them against Philadelphia, and really, in a sense, just a heads up going into this postseason, is, you know, the Cardinals were the best team in baseball when it comes to production against lefties, right? They yeah. had an eight ten OPS. As a team, no other team had an OPS greater than 780. So just put that in perspective. They had a 30 point gap, right? Number two, which was uh, you know the 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 bangers down in Houston, um, who were 779 for OPS. But coming in in the top four, notable teams here: Atlanta 775, yeah, Philly 775. They also let's just like really drill down on that. They also were top six in slugging percentage. So you got the top th- three of the top four NL teams against lefties on this side of the NL playoffs. And you got a team in the Cardinals who are going to be facing right-handed pitchers <laughs> and are susceptible to them with two lefties in their rotation. For sure. I mean, look, that's a, absolutely a big part of how you want to handle this and, and you know, what you want those matchups to look like. But how many of the, I'm being sarcastic here, but how many of those were Patrick Corbin starts for Washington? Well, that's, fair. <laughs> that's a great point. That's you know, I mean, like point. that's Yeah, yeah that, that that ultimately is what and I, I haven't dug into that, so I don't know. And I'm, I'm really just being kind of a smart ass. But I do think that that matters is who is it? Uh, but also, Absolutely. you know, in the regular season, if you're starting a lefty against them, you're starting a lefty. Uh, that's going to face those right-handers that we're talking about mm-hmm. typically two or three times. Um, in this case, maybe just one. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, maybe just one when it comes to that. And I know it's um, it's it's less than ideal to just look at, um, you know, you got the fact that Har- Harper and Schwarber bat left-handed as an example and say, well, then that makes it a good matchup. It's not always that simple, as you point out. Um, but those are the guys I think you have to control. Those two. I think if, if you can manage those two, mm-hmm. I think you're okay. And if you look at Harper against left-handed pitching this year, not that great. Uh, Kyle Schwarber. Yeah. He's right yeah. there. He's that 775 OPS. Right. Um, pretty good on base percentage, as you yeah. expect. Yeah. But you're gonna, you're not going to pitch too much to him. Schwarber is a completely different guy. Right. Schwarber's a buck 90 hitter against lefties. Right. 390 slug, too. So yeah. you completely unplug him. Um, interesting Castellanos also. So, you know, the matchup of the lefty, if we get granular and really dig in, I mean, it comes down to lefties want to avoid the Hoskins and the Alec Bombs of the world. Right. Both of them who have 930 plus OPS and slug better than 500 against lefties. They're going to play neutral against Real Moto and Harper. Right. So, okay. So if they're in there in the mix there and you can kind of see how their lineup would stack those guys near each other. That's neutral. It's Castellanos with his reverse splits and which Schwarber. Is weird. Yeah, and Schwarber, which you want to unplug. And right. so you get the lefty on that wraparound um, that second time through, and then you bail. Yeah, yeah, basically. And 
You know, if you look at the other guys, like Brandon Marsh hasn't hit lefties at all. Right. You know, I mean, he doesn't even start. I mean, I'd be willing to bet that he doesn't even start if you're starting a lefty. It'd probably be someone like Matt Vierling getting the start in that spot, who, by the way, is a St. Louis kid. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. Very, very what cool high school kid. did he go to? I don't remember. CBC, I think. I don't, I, I don't remember for sure. I just remember that's that he right. played in our program. In, no, no, that's uh, right. In, yeah. I just was trying to sound local. <laughs> I can't. It's been a while. I can't remember, but it, I know right. he went to CBC. Kid. Yeah, he's a great kid. He played for you know our our uh, gamers program for years. Name dropper. Nah, he's a cool kid, man. I really, I'm a big fan. I'm glad he's uh, kind of solidified himself as a big leaguer. What's what's a strength that the Cardinals take into this? Do you do you? Let me just be more specific. Do you think they're pitching depth by having? a lot of good pitchers, but not the top end to counter the kind of tandem aces that they would face in a lot of series. Do you think that depth could be a strength? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think that goes for what you have available in the bullpen. Uh, Certainly, you know, by having only three, especially in this round, just focusing entirely on the wild card round, the fact that you have four guys that are pitching well as starting options, and you're only having to pick three of them, that adds a quality arm into your relief mix some way, somehow. And and look, we have to consider that Wainwright can be that too. Um, and it's, it's been a rough month, and there's a lot of things that are worrisome about what we've seen there. Uh, but we've also seen him recover from these types of things in the past. And, you know, when you, when you mix in his experience and the way that he's been able to battle through difficult spots, I mean, just time and time and time again during his career, he can be a factor. But I, I do think that, you know, now that Steven Matz is essentially a power lefty in the pen, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and by the way, bringing something that they've needed badly in there, which is strikeouts, yeah. right? I mean, Hels- Helsley does that. Gallegos does that. Matz is doing that. And he was doing that as a starter before he got hurt. He was striking people out more than he had in the past. If you have a Zach Thompson, again, that's a strikeout guy. You mentioned Cabrera when he's right, is a strikeout guy. And I think that's what matters. The fact that they're that they have more players than they've had in recent years that they can go to out of the pen that can miss bats because most of their starters don't. Other than Jack Flaherty, they don't do that. Does that make Jack Flaherty as a reliever appealing? How would you use him? If I'm playing it today, he's probably my game three starter. Mm. I would love to get at least two times through the order with him. I would I would love that Matt again because you are talking about a, a Philly team that strikes out a bit and he's got that stuff and I mean it's not been perfect since he's come back from the injured list but it's pretty good and he has the that element that the other guys just don't uh, I shouldn't say that Montgomery Montgomery's actually been pretty good at striking people out this year yeah, um, so yeah. maybe that maybe that changes it a bit I'm I'm a little bit more I don't know maybe 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 I'm thinking of this too much like the regular season Derek I'm a little bit um, more cautious about wanting to to go to him in a relief setting. But I, I don't see why, even if you're not going to go with him, why you wouldn't think about tandem starts in that way and see where they can go. But yeah, it, do, it does make him interesting as a part of a bullpen mix, but certainly you're not going to be throwing him into the middle of, of a traffic inning, right? I mean, yeah. you're going to have him start clean innings and have a, have a normal starter-like warm-up, right? Um, you know, he's... It's interesting, like... I wonder how I kind of get the sense that Flaherty adapts quicker and sets up better as a reliever than say Montgomery. If you think mm. Montgomery is going to be used in relief, or if you're hesitant to use Montgomery in relief, um, 
I'm not sh- sure where his role is, which is an interesting spot to be in if he doesn't start. No, it's a good point. I mean, th- th- this is why I find the, the the decisions here just absolutely fascinating. That you know, there I, I don't think that there's an obvious you got to do this scenario with the rotation. Other than I guess we'd say that because Michaelis and and uh, and and Quintana have been so good and so consistent over a period of time that they're they seem like the best choices for the first couple of starts, just because you have the body of work long term, but also recently they've maintained that and they've been good. It's not like Montgomery hasn't been, you know, he had like one really crappy start. And I think other than that has been perfectly fine in, in his 11 starts with the Cardinals. So I don't think there's a wrong answer there. And maybe that's it, Derek. Maybe it's just the team's evaluation of who makes that adjustment better, uh, whether it's Flaherty or Montgomery. Down the stretch, there were really three opponents that the Cardinals could face. There was the Padres who clinched that fifth seed, uh, you know, and then move the Phillies into the sixth seed. There were the Phillies. And then there were the Brewers who were kind of hanging on there, right. um, trying to uh, to win their way into the playoffs by getting ahead of Philadelphia or the Padres. Um, did, did you think there was a good matchup for the Cardinals? How would you have kind of looked at those three as the best matchup for the Cardinals? I think the, even though they have really good starting pitching, it's the Brewers. I mean, they're just, their lineup stinks. <laughs> they, yeah. I mean, if you're going to be in low-scoring games, you'd probably want to face the the team with the with the least amount of horsepower going up against you, right? Yeah. Because if you're facing Burns and Wood for Woodruff, I mean, you know how good they are. It's, it's not much different than going up against you know Nola and Wheeler, or going up against Darvish and uh, Musgrove. So, I mean, you know, there there are a lot of different ways that you can play that, but. Their lineup by is by far the weakest of the opponents there. I, I think they would have been the best one. And where where do the Phillies? I mean, do you think this is actually the hardest of those matchups? I'm torn. You know, I, I don't think it is. I think they and the Padres, the more I looked at them, I, I was I felt about the same facing either one of them. Mm. Like there wasn't one of the two that I thought was a significant edge. I mean, if you're looking at the Padres lineup, I, like Soto hasn't been Juan Soto, right, since the trade. But he still wants Soto. You still have to look at that. Like, he, if he just flips a switch, now all of a sudden you've got one of the best hitters in the sport. Now, I will say the rest of their lineup leaves a good bit to be desired. At once, once you get past, you know, Soto and Machado, not to say that guys like Cronenworth and Drury aren't threats, and Drury's had a really good year, but yeah, Drury's I mean, been really good. They, I, I think Philly's lineup is better, but I also think uh, that San Diego's better set up in the bullpen. Uh, and, and you know, with Hayter having been a lot better the last couple of weeks, the depth that they have there, not to mention uh, at least one of their starters being there, right? I mean, between Darvish, Clevenger, Snell, and Musgrove and Manaya, uh, you got five guys. Two of them are going to the pen. So yeah. I, I felt like they were maybe the tougher matchup when you're talking about the entirety of their pitching staff rather than just the top two guys. How do the Cardinals win this series against Philly? Does it Does it take one of those two guys faltering? I don't know that it takes faltering, but I, I mean, I, you're going to have to scratch out some runs against against one of those righties. I mean, you're going to need to me that the the pat the, the the best way to go about this, the best if you're going to draw it up, is if you go get game one. I mean, Philly's been pushing, they've been pressing, they've been playing all the way up until today. You know, they've they've been in this chase mode until what the they clinched on Tuesday, right? Or did they clinch on Monday? Either way. They've been full on recently, right? They haven't been holding back, resting people, whatever. 
and you've been able to do this and set everything the way that you want to set it for game one, that's to me, that's the one you got to get. And, I, and I, not an automatic. I mean, you know, you, you need two out of three regardless of the order. But to me, that's the, that's the the oversimplified version of this is catch them while they're still trying to catch their breath. So can they do in game one of the playoffs what they didn't do at all during the regular season and get a run against Wheeler? Or do right. they just need to kind of hold serve and get to the bullpen? I mean, I think there's no question that getting to Philly's bullpen – as soon as possible is the right is the is the goal, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're up there make making outs on the first couple of the pitches of each at bat, if you're out there striking out on three or four pitches all the time, and those two guys are able to go six, seven innings, you're gonna be in a lot more trouble. I think this you know, the, the sooner you can run those pitch counts up, the better. Um and and also, you know, the teams are not exactly what they were. Um, at the last time they met, right? Right. Donovan I mean, is a different part of this. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, when you look back at when they met in July, I mean, they're very different teams now. Uh, and, and not not that they're completely different, but they're they're different um, enough since the trade deadline uh, with the emergence of some of the other, as you mentioned, Donovan being a, a much bigger factor than he was mm-hmm. earlier in the year. They're not exactly the same teams. And, you know, that's a that's a part of why I don't know that I want to be too worried about what I saw then, although it's it's definitely a part of it because it's it's about how they match up. Right. I mean, Zach Wheeler's stuff is a problem for the Cardinals lineup because of the the guys, because he's a good matchup against their best. Right. I mean, that's, that's kind exactly of the thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, look, you know, the Cardinals are gosh, I was looking at this They're You know, they're what, 10 for 37 goldschmidt is five for 23 right um you know so that you know that's that's where you know that's where wheeler wins the game and where the cardinals have their chance then is um actually with uh maybe with the the donovan newt bar grind out at bats their patience their willingness to take a walk um so that that pitch count goes up and then all of a sudden, there's not really a spots to put Goldschmidt, Arenado, and Pujols. Right, it changes how Wheeler can go about those at bats. I think there's, I think there's a real sense there that that's how the Cardinals get to Wheeler. Is yeah, they actually start with Donovan and Newt Bar, mm-hmm. what they've done, particularly Newt Bar, which is maybe they steal a walk here or there, and then uh, and then see how the inning changes. Yeah, and I don't. On that same note, I'm not going to really make too much out of the fact that when they faced Aaron Nola earlier this year, they put up five runs in seven innings. Like it's again, it's so long ago, it's really hard to to ascribe meaning to it. Uh, but you know, if you look at that lineup that that day, I mean, one of the big one of the big hits in that game was Edmundo Sosa for the Cardinals. <laughs> and right. was, no, he's no, on the no, other no. side, although he's hurt. He's got a hamstring thing, but you know, it's it. It's just a hard thing to try to draw conclusions from that. And and also, like, Albert at that point wasn't what we've seen from Albert the last two months. Right. You know? I mean, he wasn't doing what he's doing now. What he's been doing here lately, hitting, doesn't matter, lefty, righty, makes no difference at all. And I, I, that's to me, it's almost a different guy. When you look at Albert's numbers at that time when these two teams met in July, he was like, I want to say like a 650 OPS or something like that for the year. 
yeah. he was hitting lefties, but not hitting righties at all. Well, that is completely flipped. Batting average less than 200. This actually was a seminal road trip for the Cardinals when they went to Philly and then Atlanta mm-hmm. and then faced the Phillies again back at Bush Stadium. Um, it was at Atlanta, those four night games uh, there on the in, in Marietta or just outside of Marietta at their new ballpark where the Cardinals, they really got schooled by Atlanta. There's no other way to put it. They got, they got, they, they got a clear eyed view of what a really dynamic team in the national league looks like. Yeah. Yeah. And it was during that series that Albert pools in the dugout went up to Ali Marmol and said, I got something. I figured it out. And Ali went cool. And Albert, <laughs> took off from there it was it was there that i mean you look back on that series and while the cardinals did not have a good series no pools had a very active series um you know tagging up um you know had a couple hits in there it just there there that was there was a life in his game that then now we look back and see that those were the early kind of sparks of what took fire in the second half but the moment in the bullpen is or I'm sorry, in the dugout is is a story that's been told a few times here, where it was you know at he was hitting in that series, um, you know they they faced Strider, they oh my gosh they got overwhelmed by him. Oh, he's um, and boy is he tough, man. He's so tough and so good and so fun to watch too. Um, he uh you know it was it was there and the, and all that going on as that that Albert said, I think I got something. And uh, that goes down as the understatement of the year. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. you know one of the great understatements in Cardinal history that he got something. Uh, he uh, figured it out and took off. So, do you like this expanded playoff schedule? I I, I will start by saying very glad that it's not a one game thing. You know, baseball is a series sport. Yes, thank goodness that there is now a series to to start. Um, do you like this expanded look of the playoffs? I do. I do. I, I actually wish they might have gone one more team in each league. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I think anytime we're going to have more competition down the stretch, more fans who can look at their team entering September and thinking, hey, we've got a chance. We've got something to pay attention to in September, even if that's just an extra two teams a year. That's an extra two cities there that are engaged in the sport uh, at a time which, that's tough for the sport. I mean, September's football season. And, you know, in a lot of markets, you've got significant competition with that. And having a team that's close still have a chance, I think, is a big deal. Not to mention the fact that it's allowed for what we're talking about, which is, you know, the series, which is, again, you're right. That That's what the sport is supposed to be. Uh, I, and I don't think I would have changed much else. I mean, I don't mind the division series still being five games. I think that's more than enough for, for that round. And then you get to the traditional uh, LCS and World Series format. I, I like this a lot. I, I, again, I, my choice probably would have been to go – one more team in each league, but it, it's not really that big of a deal. I, I like the way this is. Of all of all the things going on, I, I think I like the three five seven buildup. Yeah, most most of all, I do like that element of it. I'm not so convinced that it didn't create um, a lot more certainty in the final week. Um, this is the longest the Cardinals have gone in right. uh, 15 years, 16 years, where they didn't play a game that had an impact on the standings. Now they still they still count like towards that whole mathematically eligible stuff, right? Right. The right. craziness of like Yadier Molina's career, <laughs> or um, you know, John Mozeliak has spent some time recently trying to calculate 
how few games they've played in his tenure with the Cardinals that didn't, you know, where they were mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. Right. Um, you know, I guess we could all do that because it's been, you know, just they've, they've been in the playoffs a lot. There's no yeah. other way to put it. So, and even when they're not, they're missing by a couple games. Yeah. And they, you know, they've been eliminated a few times on the last day. I mean, they only really had the one like non factor game, um, you know, there even in the middle of the previous decade, which of course brings us back to where we started. And that's that the last time the Cardinals won the World Series, it was when they began the postseason against Philly. The Phillies have talked about how long it's been since they've been in the playoffs 11 years. So that's how long it's been since the Cardinals had a championship. Yeah. Um, it was that series that catapulted the Cardinals then into the NLCS against Milwaukee and then on to the Texas Rangers World Series and the David Freeze game and Game 7 and all that Chris Carpenter gave to chase down the ring that was also the Cardinals' last ring. So, Kevin Wheeler, how do the Cardinals navigate this new look to the playoffs and get that 12th ring? Can they? They can. I mean, I, you know, look, you, you have a, the elements, that the basic elements you need, right? You have a back end of the bullpen that can be shut down, right? Especially your closer. Mm-hmm. Most teams that can make these runs have have a dude at the end that nobody wants to see, like game over when that guy's in there. And assuming the jammed fingers a nothing burger, uh, then Helsley's that guy. There, what have there been three relievers in the game that have been as good as him this year? Yeah, something fair. like that. I mean, you guys blowing 100, 300, four miles an hour, throwing strikes, getting swings and misses with his breaking ball. I mean, he's but, but, as but, dangerous but, but, but as Kevin. He, he only has, he doesn't have twenty saves. <laughs> Oh man, uh, do you miss those days? Because I feel like we've all moved past that now. Like most people, not everybody, but most of us have moved past wins and saves as the key evaluators. If not, man, what a year for Cardinal fans who are trying to hang on to hit or to wins and saves. Yeah, as a measure of a pitcher. I mean, they might start, you know, a guy with a 500 record. No one yep. has all that many wins. I mean, Chris Stratton is among the leaders in wins. Yeah. Um, total for the season i know he didn't get them all with the cardinals but um you know he's got 10 wins uh, he's 10 and 4 make him the game one starter right that's how yeah works, right yeah right 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 you gotta have the best winning percentage or the best one loss record when you go through it yeah um what i do find interesting derek is the 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 similarity to 2011 in that it all really came together in the last two months mm-hmm. right a, a lot it's not that the season before that was bad it was just kind of eh it wasn't, you know, they weren't great. They weren't terrible. They had some stretches where they were really good and then some stretches where they didn't hit at all. And then you get to the trade deadline and you add the two pitchers. And really, it was a takeoff from that point. And it's a lot like 2011. They were kind of eh for a while and they shook up the roster around the trade deadline with the with the Colby Rasmus deal and bringing in a bunch of complimentary pieces. Uh, well, some of those complimentary pieces this year weren't traded for, but they were promoted. Right. Lars Newtbar being a, a, a significant player in this. Brendan Donovan being a significant player in all of this. And I think that that's what's interesting to me. Is they're not the same team. They're not the same roster. Um, they do have a similar middle of the order where you've got, you know, now we have to count Albert as one of those. You've got three guys that are veteran superstars um, that that can pound the baseball with the best of them. Now, are they all clicking? Not right now, but I mean, in when a playoff series starts, the only thing that matters is what happens in those games. What happened for six months really does kind of go out the window. Once you get into a short series where, you know, it's two or th- win two out of three or go home. 
But I do think that that's an interesting similarity is that they've kind of accelerated to the finish line. And this year, not in the same way, right? They didn't need to overcome a nine-game deficit to, to get a wild card spot. But it was the same kind of pattern of we figured out a lot of how the pieces fit together. We added the two pieces we didn't have, and that's when the team took off. I will say that the 11 team, you're right. They got going, they got hot, and they played really well, and they kind of came together and found themselves there late in that season, very similar to this one. However, the teams that they were facing in the postseason, they matched up well against. They could say that we're headed up against Pierce. Even that dynamic Phillies team, the Cardinals could say we we look pretty good against them, uh, just like they do against this Phillies team. Yeah. The difference this year is that then the competition gets greater. You know, they're not going to go from the Phillies of this year to the Ryan Braun right. Brewers. They're going to go to a dynamic Atlanta Braves team in a five-game series. Yeah. And if the seeds hold out, they're going to go then up against a record-setting Dodger team that may not even be as good as the Atlanta team. Right. But those are two of the best National League teams I've seen in a long time. And then there's the possibility that maybe the Mets get past the maybe, maybe the Mets get past the Dodgers. And then you got Scherzer and DeGrom. Right. I whoever and Edwin wins Diaz the Nash, at the back end. Right. And Edwin Diaz and the trumpet flourish at the back end. Whatever team emerges from the National League should hang this pennant high. This is a rigorous group of teams from the first round of Padres, Mets, Cardinals, Phillies. I mean, any one of those teams, I I, I honestly, I think any one of those teams could go toe-to-toe with Houston for the American League pennant. And two of them are going to be eliminated in the first round. Uh, this, This National League is a gauntlet of fire. Yeah. And I, I think the Cardinals path might be the most difficult they've ever had because of the extra layer, but also just because of how things line up, they're going to go against a good team. Then they're going to go against a greater team. And then they're yes. going to go against a great team, however it ha- lines up. And that is, I'm not sure they have the roster for that, but if they do, man, maybe maybe this pennant should fly an inch higher than the rest. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think I can recall. Um, God, in in 20 years, a, gr- a better group of playoff teams. Not on this side of the fence, in, in man. One, in one league, in in either league, to be honest with you. I mean, I don't know, you know the the American League. You know, a few years ago, I mean, the the that Boston. I mean, there were times when Boston and New York. And, you know, they were really good. And those two teams were really good. You think back to 09 when the Rays got in to face the Phillies. Not 09, I'm sorry, 08. Yeah. 09 was Phillies-Yankees. Um, I, I mean, the, there were some, I guess, some of the best teams didn't make the playoffs because there wasn't that extra spot. But, and then, the, and you know, he kind of had the central, which was always kind of a sag there. Um but, but no, man, I mean, you know, there were times I, – I actually, you know, you don't even have to go that far back. I mean, there were times when it was Detroit, Boston, 
Yankees sometimes in the mix. Those were some really hard rounds to get through with the American League because you had all the Cy Young winners with your Tigers. Yeah, no, that's geez, they had them all. They had Price, Scherzer, Verlander. These guys were all on the same. And Rick Porcello. And Rick Porcello. Yeah. So I mean, those guys are all. How do you have that and not win? By the way. I, don't, I guess Panda. I guess Panda's is the reason why you don't win. That and they always had a crappy bullpen. I mean, that's yeah. <laughs> and it, and I, by the way, that, that that in the modern baseball era, that's as important as anything else when it comes to winning in the playoffs. Exactly. Yeah, unless you have Chris Carpenter and no and the and to quote somebody, Chris Carpenter ain't walking through that door. <laughs> no, he's definitely not. He's definitely not. But yeah, and the other scary part about this, Derek, I know we're talking about this year's playoffs, but the the, the Braves aren't going anywhere. No, they're not. They're no. all young and locked well, up. They got everybody that matters locked up long term. Not Dansby Swanson. Team. No, but I mean, Vaughn Grissom's probably just going to slide into there next year, and you know, like he did this year when uh, when, when uh, Ozzy Albies went down. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's a good question about what's going to happen with Dansby because he's going to be in demand. He's really turned out to be a good player, but you know, when when you look at them, they have all of their big big young guys locked up long term. Their best players are 25, right? I mean, Acuna and Austin Riley are 25 years old. Yeah. And, you know, Matt Olson signed up. He's only 28. Like, most of their key guys are 28 and under and and controlled for the long term. And their pitching is still young and under control, right? I mean, Freed and Wright and Elder and Strider. Uh, I mean, like they're just... They're just so loaded, and we know the Dodgers aren't going anywhere, not with their payroll yeah. and their their ability to develop players on top of that. Um, and then, you know, I don't know about the Mets in terms of their current roster, but I know that their their owner's not getting any less wealthy, and he's going to continue <laughs> to spend money. So this may be the reality for the for the you know foreseeable future for the next three, four, five years. Yeah, ain't it going to be fun to be the Cardinals? Whew. Hey, but you're in the Central. <laughs> <laughs> that's the nice thing. You just have to beat these teams in a series. You don't yeah, have to beat you know them. What, though? Yeah, but eventually to win a World Series, you do have to emerge from the safe cocoon of the, yeah. the, the Central where a caterpillar can get by, and you do have to be an October butterfly. You For do, sure. You know, you do have to show off a little. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm fascinated because I don't, I don't think there's been a harder field um, on this side of the, of, uh, of the leagues. Uh, as far as just like not, I mean, just the quality of these opponents. I cannot stress that. The Braves are one of the best teams I've seen in a long time as far as a complete, yeah, incredible team. Just relentless. And, you know, then you go against the Dodgers, which the Dodgers, you know, and the Cardinals, the Cardinals actually kind of match up all right against the Dodgers. And yeah. I think that is an, uh, that series – that actually might be like a series where the car, if the Cardinals can get that far, where they go, oh my gosh, we just went through the ringer with the Braves. You know, this this may not be so bad. Uh, but I, you're right. You make a great point. This is the new reality uh, for the Cardinals, and this this October is either going to humble them and show them how far they have to go to close that gap uh, to to be a factor in October, or. Uh, or show that they they still got a little bit of that magic where they can get right when it matters most. Yeah, and the crazy thing, I mean, you're you're probably right about the Dodgers because if you look at the rotation, the Dodgers have four left-handers in their rotation. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, yeah. the only righty is Gonsolin. We just you just yeah. talked about how the Cardinals have been the best in baseball against lefties, and Kershaw is not what Kershaw used to be. No, and but he Tyler still has Anderson. moments, man. You can yeah. Albert Pujols can be what Albert Pujols is for one, you know, for two months. Clayton Kershaw can be what Clayton Kershaw is for a night. Sure, sure. But the funny thing is that they've got 110 wins, and yeah. Walker Bueller's got is out with Tommy John surgery, their best pitcher. And yeah. Dustin May has missed most of the season with various injuries. Uh, and he's dealing with back tightness now. I mean, like th- th- that's what's remarkable about where they are is they've had all kinds of those types of things, but especially with the pitching staff and doesn't matter. Just, just keep on rolling. They keep finding a way. Heck, they've even had bumps in the road in the bullpen, right? Like yeah, Kimbrell they 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 hasn't really been all that great, but with Brewster Gratterall healthy now and Evan Phillips being a, you know, a guy out of nowhere, that's been arguably their best relief pitcher. They've really had to piece some things together on the pitching side. Yeah. I mean, you, the one spot where the Cardinals have an edge over so many of the National League teams is at the back end of the bullpen. The biggest yeah. question is, can they get there with a lead with yep. an offense that has been hole centric for a good couple of weeks now? Oh, yeah, yeah. And a rotation that does not head-to-head line up with the ones that they're about to face. No, they they definitely don't have the front two that we're talking about with other guys. Although, like I said, I, I think their best can match up with what the Dodgers are running out there in the rotation at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not that I think the probably the most talented guy in that group is Urias, but you know, I, I don't think he's that much more gifted than Flaherty, as an example. I mean, but you know, Flaherty's not been healthy for as much of the year as Urias. But I think you can match up there. But I think you're right in general that the, the Cardinals have to win with their big guys and. I guess if I wanted to be as simple as possible, Derek, I'm going to quote Ken Hitchcock. Your best players have to be your best players. You need Goldie and Arenado to be MVP caliber players in the playoffs if you're going to make the run. And if they are, you got a shot because those are the guys you need to beat good pitching, right? You need your best hitters to beat good pitching. And if those guys aren't, then I don't think you're going to be around very long. That is Kevin Wheeler, co-host of the show, one of the three-headed monsters in the midday office. Uh, offering there at Camel X, eleven twenty a.m. You can listen to them there or online, right, Kevin? Yeah, just go. You can use the Odyssey app. That's A U D A C Y, or just go to camelx.com and uh, podcast is there after the show every single day. You can listen live there too if uh, you happen to be in another part of the country and can't pick up the fifty thousand watt blowtorch. They will be talking a lot of baseball in the build up to the playoff series. It's a best of three series. All three games will be played at Bush Stadium. Game one is Friday. Game two is Saturday. Times to be announced by our broadcast television overlords at some point in time here. I'll check to see shortly if they have been. Um, And game three, if necessary, will be Sunday. Then if the Cardinals advance, it's off to the NLDS, which will begin in Atlanta on Tuesday. Kevin, thank you very much for joining me. You can find all of the Cardinals coverage at the post dispatch at stltoday.com. The special section for the retirements of Yadier Molina and Albert Pools is still available there at shopstltoday.com. We'll have podcasts, we'll have playoff uh, previews, we'll have it all. And of course, we'll have the best podcast in baseball brought to you weekly by the Closets by Design of St. Louis. Again, Kevin, thanks so much for joining me. Um, we didn't get to the rules, so we'll have to have you back for that big debate. I am going to come prepared. I'm ready. We got a lot to go through. I mean, by the way, uh, the tease to this for the offseason is I'm all, I'm, I'm all good with changes. I'm just worried about a lot at once. But 
I'm willing to see how it works before I react. I am all good with all of the changes except for one, which I think is the first time in a long time where baseball is saying, you know what, you guys are really good at something and we should celebrate you finding a competitive edge and we're going to take it away. <laughs> that, that, that would be the long tease. We'll, we'll hit that when we get to hot stove time. Yes. Hopefully, yes. hopefully that's not for another six weeks or so. Right. Or, or you know, if it goes awry, well, then we'll have plenty to talk about in mid-October. Yep. Um, because... <laughs> Because the podcast that says, hey, you know, Atlanta's really good is going to be a short podcast. (laughs) That's a good point. Talk to you soon, Kevin. All right, buddy. We'll see you.